Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Philosophy Around Us. I would like to first thank our listeners for all the positive reviews. We're very happy to receive them and super excited to create more episodes. Today, the subject which we will will be discussing with philosophy is mathematics. And leading the episode with me is my dear friend and classmate, Michael, who is extremely passionate and knowledgeable in the subject. So welcome, Michael, and thank you so much for being here. No worries. Really looking forward to it. Awesome. So I thought we could just, you know, get right to it. And I wanted to ask you personally, how do you think philosophy applies to math? Maths? Do you think it applies in many different ways or just certain ones? Um, I mean, I think a, a better question is how does maths apply to philosophy? Because really maths is a form of philosophy. It's this very particular way of thinking where you, you, know, you, you start from obvious things and take logical steps and then absolutely prove them for for sure which is a way of thinking and i think philosophers would claim ways different ways of thinking as as part of as part of their subject um like in the um in the ancient greek times everyone that had to think for a living so i'm thinking like plato socrates aristotle who else pythagoras even mm-hmm. these were all philosophers and mathematicians it wasn't like they you know some of them did philosophy and some of them did maths they all did both Um, and it was only until like you know recently comparatively that that the two subjects have have become different um so yeah they're 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 super similar and i think maths maths and philosophy maths and philosophy apply to each other in um in lots of different ways. Yeah, you're almost making it sound, well, you're not, but how maths is basically, you could say, philosophy's baby, if <laughs> it kind of originated from Yeah, I mean, I think that's, that's spot on, to be honest. Um, <laughs> yeah, philosophy's probably a bit older than maths, so, yeah. Yeah, and how you're, you said that they're similar subjects. Um, at the same time, though, one is very objective, yeah. And the other one is, you know, obviously subjective. If in maths, you know, they write two plus two equals four, there's no argument about that. Yeah. Some people might want to argue, <laughs> but they won't really get very far. Yeah. Or if you're given a really high complex math equation and which require which has an infinite amount of right answers, they're still right, no yes. matter how many yes. there are. It's it's still an objective truth that the solutions to the to the equation is this this set be it infinite or finite it's still yeah it's still absolutely true and nobody can disagree with it mm-hmm. the um well i mean people can disagree with it but they would then be objectively wrong yeah. um but i think yeah i i mean i don't think it was it always was that way it's just that now modern philosophy is kind of turned away from maths a bit and now it's much more subjective and it's much more posing these these questions um whereas whereas maths has has kind of turned into into finding finding answers to to questions and with an objective truth which is something that i don't think philosophy really does i mean it's very interesting to think about but Mm -hmm. yeah yeah no in philosophy you're given questions but never expected where you can't really get 
the right or the wrong answer yeah. out of them, you know? Like your example of what's the meaning of life. Exactly. You example. say, what's the meaning of life? No one's going to say, this is the meaning of life or this is the meaning of life. You could get potentially, you know, right answers or potentially ones that could be right, but never, you know, immediately, yes, yeah. that's it. That's the right answer. Or even something like as simple as a yes or no question, does God exist? Um, not have that. Yeah, I mean, very, very clever people believe in God and mm -hmm. other very, very clever people don't believe in God. Yeah. And at that point, you can't say either of them is wrong. But um, but yeah, it's it's so it's I think it's quite strange that a question where there's only two answers still can't be can't be um, uh, solved. Yeah, exactly. Um, so if you kind of acknowledge or not you specifically but in general if people acknowledge one, that if one, if one acknowledges if one acknowledges that maths is objective philosophy is subjective how are they still you know able to coincide and work together then um i mean there are elements of maths that do that so maths as it gets more and more advanced does become a lot more philosophical because you have to start questioning how the maths that we know, like how do we actually know that maths and can we be sure that it is correct? Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, also the, there, are, um, there are questions that have, been, that have been asked which are very philosophical um, that, like, I don't know, um, uh, to, to do with love and things like do do humans love or is it is it a chemical thing or or it, you know is is love real all that sort of thing and math is is used to answer or, or to answer in part some of those yeah. some of those those questions which are really difficult so the two kind of still do link up but um but yeah a little bit more removed now because mm -hmm. I think the first example that comes to mind in terms, and Simon Blackburn talked a little bit about this on the Philosophy Bites podcast, and that is the world of forms. And, you know, in a nutshell, uh, Plato, he described, and he, well, basically he said that the world we live in, which we always thought was the reality, isn't that at all. And it's the metaphysical world, which has always existed, does exist, and will always exist. It's the metaphysical world, and it exists outside the material world which we live in. And with that, it's he also called it the world of forms, which means every object that we see on Earth, there the true form of it exists in the metaphysical world. And what we see here is just a projection of it. And with that in mind, because something exists in the material world, it is in no way perfect or close to being perfect because it's constantly changing. If not, you know, physically, then with time, definitely. But the objects in the metaphysical world, they are perfect because they're, well, they're not changing. They are as they are. So what, how I kind of see this in terms of maths is, you know, the straight line and how mathematically defined a straight line is at an angle of 180 degrees. But in our world, because the earth is round, or, you know, <laughs> more fancy speaking, it's an ovulate ellipsoid, 
So you can never achieve something that is perfectly straight. You can get close. You can have 179.9999 degrees, but that perfect 180 can only be achieved in the metaphysical world. What do you or, you know, mathematicians have to say about that concept? Um, I think it's something that is certainly an interesting problem that, that you know, we, we actually can't draw the perfectly straight line. But with rulers and very sharp pencils, we can we can get exceptionally close. Like I'm, I'm looking at the lines on your, <laughs> on your notepad. They're very, very, very straight such that you don't notice a difference. And I think as far as mathematicians are concerned, that's good enough. You can you can just accept that it's not that it isn't perfect, but it's still and it's not infinitely straight and it's not infinitely thin as a straight line kind of is supposed to be. But it still it, it still represents it. And it's such a good approximation that it doesn't cause any problems. Mm-hmm. So that's I think that's really interesting how, you know, two very different people. Well, you know, different people, you know, you're really passionate about maths, I'm passionate about philosophy, and we're looking at the same concept and completely interpreting it in different ways. And that's the joy of the podcast. That's the joy of the podcast. Um, And I think that's what philosophy also allows people to do, is that people are exposed to more um, opinions, they're exposed to more information, and then they themselves can decide what they what they think is true. You know, mm-hmm. some people might listen to this and say, oh, well, you know, if nothing in our world is perfect, well, this is all a lie. You know, this is really interesting. Others might think, you know, cool thought, but, you know, that doesn't change anything. Whereas some people might say, you know, no, we do live in this world. It is perfect. There's no metaphysical world. There's just this, you know, Plato was wrong. And all three answers, you know, to some extent, they're not right or they're wrong. They exist within themselves and they fit whoever wants to believe them. Mm -hmm. And Michael, you also, before this, you mentioned infinities and a really big question about why our minds tend to avoid infinities. And when you said, why is that? Um, Well, it's because they don't, they don't, they don't follow the normal logic that we're used to. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm going to give you a quick example here. So if you have, um, uh, a normal set of numbers let's say we have the numbers one two three and four and just those numbers they add up to 10 and then if you double them you double the total so then it becomes 20 mm-hmm. um, but if you extend that to all of the um, all of the the natural numbers that's to say the positive integers from one to infinity um, and then you add those together, well, then you get some number that is that is infinitely large, and we'll, we'll call that x. Um, go, bear with me here, we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll get to something tangible. Um, and then, if you, if you double all of the numbers as we did before, yeah. what does that make the sum? 2x. 2x, why? Because we, we've, doubled, we've, we've doubled all of the numbers, so therefore the sum doubles. Um, but then... If you start thinking a bit more closely about that, you're actually, when before we were adding up all of the natural numbers, that includes the odd numbers and the even numbers, now we're only adding up the even numbers and we're leaving out the odd numbers. So surely now the sum is actually approximately a half x rather than, rather than 2x. 
So now we've it's really confusing this. Um, and we've so by by doubling something, we've made it smaller, oh. which that and that is in essence like why we struggle when it comes to infinity and because um, uh, uh, you can't you can't apply the same logic that you can with finite numbers um, and one of the the failings of humans I would definitely count myself as someone that, <laughs> that struggles with this when thinking about something gets very difficult we tend to to give up somewhat because it's just easier to not to not struggle with it um so i'd say as a quite a long-winded answer but i think that's why why we avoid infinity yeah well that's that's a really interesting thought and you know mm. i never thought about that personally you know infinities was you know it was just there always but now i definitely see it yeah, in a new light it's quite it's quite i think it's quite scary anyway it is and the whole the logical reasoning which you were talking about that I think could pair, and that reminds me of science as well, you know, and scientific reasoning as well. And what you mentioned as well as um, science versus philosophy and how that will also relate. And you talked about Bertrand Russell, I think. Yeah, well, I mean, okay, there's a, a lot of things there that, that I've got to cover. So yeah. um, I'll start off with the with the science versus philosophy. Actually, I, maybe I shouldn't because you've got another you've got another podcast later coming out on on that one, which we'll cover it in a lot more detail. Um, but I think the relationship between science and philosophy and maths and philosophy is actually quite a similar one. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but yeah, um, moving on to, to Bertrand Russell. Um, he was um, a, uh, a mathematician slash philosopher. Yeah, that's how you say it. Sorry about that. Um, a mathematician slash philosopher that um, was quite uncertain about the way, uh, about the knowledge in maths that we had. Um, and he was not convinced that, um, that for example, one plus one is two. Or he, he kind of w- knew that everyone had accepted it, but what if it wasn't? <laughs> it would be a big, big problem. So he set out his... Um, uh, his sort of career and his, his job, that, or his, his you know self-proclaimed job, was to um, to prove that maths worked and to prove that it was a logically consistent um, entity in and of itself. Um, and he actually did a pretty stoic job, considering how abstract and difficult that task is. Um, so I think eventually he did manage to prove that one plus one equals two, believe it or not. Um, uh, but eventually um, a, a chap called Girdle came along um, and he was able to prove somehow that um, that maths, you it couldn't prove every mathematical statement using maths, which is, it's, it's Again, it's quite a, a weird and counterintuitive thought that maths doesn't work. That isn't to say it's not useful, but it doesn't it doesn't work entirely um, uh, as a kind of as as a subject, which is yeah, kind of a bit crazy, really. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh well, that's really interesting because when you were talking about Bertrand Russell and how he 
said, you know, what if one plus one isn't two? And how he wanted to start at the bottom and then work his, work way, his up. way up. Yeah. That reminds me of the famous French philosopher René Descartes, who wanted to do a really similar thing, well, basically the same thing, where he thought he wanted to find a way to make sure that, or to find out if everything around us was real. Mm-hmm. And he, what, what he did is he said, you know, I'm going to look at this from a point of view as if I know that nothing around me is real. I'm not certain about anything. And he started, you know, thinking, well, you know, if someone is, well, he called it the evil demon deceives me and he put this world for me and, you know, nothing really exists. You know, my physical body doesn't exist. How can I be sure that anything, how anything works? And he thought, well, you know, I'm having these thoughts. And I'm thinking about someone deceiving me and I'm already thinking about the fact that this isn't real. Therefore, my mind must exist. And therefore, if I think, something must be there, right? And that's where the famous Latin phrase was born, cogito ergo sum, I think, therefore I am, which is so similar to what Bertrand Russell, because both are philosophers and both are trying to use kind of the same method to uncover Diff- how whether or not different things exist yeah well i mean it just goes to show that the two subjects are are very linked um yeah. and that yeah i think they did both take a very philosophical approach to their their various subjects of that they were trying to attack so, mm-hmm. yeah um so i think we've covered quite a bit of ground i think today. we have yeah we've done very well lots of ground um i kind of have a sub or sub uh, pre last question okay, for you. Yeah, it might be a big one. Do you think that maths was invented or discovered? I love this question. <laughs> um, so I think that uh, it kind of depends a bit on what your definition of maths is, um, but fundamentally, I think it was an invention. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know what your thoughts are on this, but I th- I think that it was um, it was something that we had to. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know how maths originated, but the the story that I like is that you know somebody had um, had maybe a, a herd of sheep or something, right. and they um, and they they needed to count their sheep, so they invented this 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 system of numbers by which they could they could you know work out how many sheep they had and then maybe uh they they join forces with another another shepherd and then they have and then they have to count the new number of sheep and rather than just counting them up they decide to to invent a thing called addition so i think that that these um that the the you know mathematical numbers and operators um and techniques that we have i think all of these are are inventions but maybe there's there is an element of discovery after you've kind of created these these uh these things yeah what do you think what do i think yeah i might have to agree and disagree i think with what you've said because this kind of reminds me of what Ricky Gervais said about science and religion how you know imagine the entire world exploded and yeah. there was another earth. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in terms of religion, you know, new um, ideas would come up. Yeah. Whereas if people had to start from scratch, the same scientific 
ideas would come up because that's just science. It is. So you're, you're saying then that those inner truths about maths and science still, they're, they're always there. And yeah. that means then that you can't invent them. You have to discover them. I thought that's what I think is that the mathematical laws or inner truths, they exist wherever you go. But of yeah. course, you know, numbers one, two, three, or X and Y algebra, that was invented. Mm-hmm. So then, uh, uh, so I would go back to what I said a little bit earlier then about it depends on your definition of maths. Is mm-hmm. maths those inner truths that we are trying to find out and, and figure out just based on the, the techniques we've developed? Or is maths the techniques or is it both? Um, I genuinely don't know this an answer to this question. Um, yeah. And it's a really weird one to think about because you should know what your subject is, but (laughs) I I guess I just don't. Well, that was, I think, the most perfect segue into my final question. Which is? Which is, what do you think fundamentally is maths? Ah. (laughs) And I think you kind of did start to answer it. I have answered it. Well, I mean, no, I completely not answered it, I suppose, (laughs) but I've given you all of the information that I... That I, that I have available to me. I genuinely have had a big think about it and can't pinpoint what it is. Um, I've sort of, because it's not just numbers, because mm-hmm. um, geometry is maths as well. It's There's a, an argument to say that it's patterns, mm-hmm. but then when uh, if you start applying the the numbers and patterns and things to the real world, is that still maths or is that then is that then science? These are like right. really kind of strange questions that are starting to get quite philosophical. So I might need I might need a philosopher to answer them. Philosopher? I don't know if I Do you I'm, know any? I don't know. Do I know? <laughs> I don't think I'm your philosopher for the job. Oh. Know. I did think about what each subject truly is and I know that there's been tons of books written trying to explain what exactly maths is some people thinking they did come to a conclusion some saying what you are now that you know you just can't but you know do they all agree not necessarily that's a problem necessarily exactly so who knows if we'll ever be able to fully know what fundamentally is maths but Mm. we can come closer by applying philosophical thought to it yeah i i guess we can maybe we should ask the audience we should ask the audience all right, Michael, thank you so much for joining me today. I think we had a lovely chat about <laughs> yeah, maths and philosophy. Thank you. No worries.